You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Episode 117, Review of the 2016 Oscar-nominated Animated Shorts. Welcome Welcome to to the the Chelsea Chelsea Invasion. Hello and welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling, here with my two lovely co-hosts, Chelsea Robson and Mason Smith. Say hello, guys. Hello, hello. Howdy. But we also are joined with, by a very special guest, one of our Roto Writers, a member of the Rotoscopers writing team, Max Den Hartog. Hello. Hey. Welcome. So, Max, just give a little bit about yourself. You have been writing for the Rotoscopers website for a while now and have amazing articles, opinion pieces. He does a lot of our art book reviews. But tell, tell the listeners uh, who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, so uh, I'm Max, and I'm uh, from the Netherlands. Uh, I've been part of the Rotoscope scene for about three years now, I think. And um, uh, yeah, well, I'm a big animation fan, and I'm currently also going to school to learn not really specifically animation, but more um, in the hope to one day become a development artist, maybe story. Lately, I've been really interested in story and storyboarding. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> awesome. That's so exciting. So what we are reason we jo- had Max join this episode is because we decided that with the Oscars coming up that we were going to do a special episode just featuring the Oscar-nominated shorts. And last year, Max did an, an article series where we were, him and the other writers reviewed each one of the Oscar-nominated shorts the week leading up to it. And so that is going on right now. So if you go to rotoscopers.com slash Oscar shorts, I'll include the link there so you can find that. And we decided, hey, let's let's get both of these at the same time. Let's, let's do a, a podcast about it, and let's have Max join us to give his thoughts. So we're really excited to have him. And, yeah, so can't wait. Pretty much our, what do you call it, a roto birthday, rotoversary? Yes. So uh, the reason we mentioned that, it has been four years since we started the Animation Addicts podcast on, I believe it was, what, February 7th, 2012, we released our very first episode, which was the Beauty and the Beast episode. Such a classic episode. And we didn't. We were so excited talking about Kung Fu Panda last episode that we didn't really even get to talk about it. Oh, it was February 9th. Excuse me. That was the official go-live date of the Animation Addicts podcast. So, yes. So, happy Roto anniversary to... Wow, that was, and that was to the day then when we did Kung Fu Panda. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that was cute. All right. So, Chelsea, would you like to talk about the contest that we did? Yes, I would love to talk about the contest that we did. So, uh, leading up to our, you know, basically at the year starting mark, not at the year, but at the best of show, we said that we are going to be doing a contest for everybody who wanted to do the, um, we had a 
a quiz on the website. How well do you know the Animation Addicts podcast? And it was 42 questions. I'm sorry, 44 questions. And the top three winners ended up are going to be announced today. And the top three all get free T-shirts. Holy cow. So exciting. So it was really impressive, actually, as I was going through and seeing how much the people knew about like all of these questions first. First off, all of the questions that were submitted were submitted by you. So you, the fans, were the ones that created all of these questions. We had nothing to do with it. And then you, the fans, answered them. And it was just really funny how um, there were a lot of some really, really difficult questions. But a general, um, there was a first place winner, and that was Ray C. And that um, Ray got 42 out of 44 questions correct. So hats off to Ray on that one. Wow. The next second place actually was 34 out of 44. So it was a kind of a big jump for her. And then right after that is 33 out of 44. Um, so our second place was Michael and third place was Mary. So we're really excited for all of those people we will be sending out those to you uh, saying congratulations and also getting your mailing address so that we can send you your Roto t-shirt. Uh, make sure to uh, post a picture of yourself wearing it on Instagram with the hashtag Roto shirt. If you'd like to see all of those, you can head to the website. They're all there, or you can just search on Instagram to be able to find them. Um, there was one question that, um, third place winner Mary was the only one to get correct. So most everyone else had like one or two people that were able to get it. Um, but on that one question, uh, it was, who did Mason call not funny during the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs podcast? Most of the people were um, very firm belief that Will Ferrell, which I agree, <laughs> is not <laughs> funny. <laughs> and that was a write-in question, too. So, like, you had to actually write in who it was. And... Um, but it was Beyonce that <laughs> Mary got correct. Mason said, Beyonce is not funny. <laughs> when did I say that? Get some meatballs episode. Come on now. Have I ever, like, in one cut, that, that's the one thing you should really want to know is, like, what content... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what context <laughs> things are. <laughs> and there are a lot of questions like that, which was the funniest thing. Um, I am going to go ahead and put the, the – oh, I'm going to put the link to that um, to that on the note, show notes to this episode, just in case you want to go in there and, and see yourself but and just see how well you're going. You're not going to be able to win a T-shirt from it, but you will be able to see if you're able to – know all of the answers and now you know that one answer it is Beyonce is not funny <laughs> we should make a video that's like Mason is so incredibly random when his quotes are taking out, taken out of <laughs> yes <laughs> they're fantastic so thank you so much to Ray Michael and Mary you will be hearing from us alright so our next little 
tidbit is we also did a simultaneous contest where uh, anyone who left us a five or anyone who left us left us a review didn't have to be a five star review um, on for the podcast. They were able to be entered into a contest or a drawing for an art book of their choice, which is perfect. I mean, Max is our go-to art book guy. So of course, in honor of him, we are doing the winner. So I, there were 11 entries and I did a random number generator and number 11 out of 11 got called, which was Vanessa. So congratulations, Vanessa. I'll be sending her an email and asking what art book she would like, obviously. Um, there are lots of good ones out there, so I'm excited to see what she picks. So thanks, everybody, who did enter that. This was a fun contest. We'll keep doing it. So if you missed out on this this opportunity, then don't worry. Just leave us, just keep, you know, leave the review, then send an email to contact at rotoscopers.com with a screenshot of the review. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be five stars. We'd rather have you be honest because the feedback does help us get better. But just by actually going and leaving that review does help. So uh, again, it has to be a written review. Uh, send us a an email with that, and then I will start the drawing over again. So just go ahead and We'll do that. So thanks, everybody. Uh, now we are on to our main discussion. Oscars coming around, we decided that it was a great time to review the different animated films that have that were nominated. This is one of the highest honors in film, and I, I think shorts don't get as much attention in press as maybe the the feature films, just because they don't get released on such a large scale. I mean, typically the only ones you hear about are the Disney or the Pixar shorts, uh, but a lot of these other really fantastic shorts don't really see too much uh, publicity or the, the time of day that I think they should. So I thought it was a fun idea that we are going to review them today and talk about them. So so first, there are five shorts that were nominated. One is called Bear Story. Another one, Sanjay Super Team. World of Tomorrow, We Can't Live Without Cosmos. And lastly, Prologue. So uh, what are your guys' thoughts about animated shorts in general? Uh, I love how much variety there has been in recent years for the animated shorts. I think, you know, usually animation is considered children's entertainment here in, you know, Western countries. And I think animated shorts are just a perfect example to show that it's not. You know, these shorts that are nominated, uh, you know, some are family entertainment, but most of them are very mature stories of stories that really aren't for kids. So I think that's just great. And then I also love that um, these shorts, Sure, they really get to experiment with technology and uh, animation styles, and um, it's not just the classic Disney style that we know. You know, they have really a lot of different techniques. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's one of the coolest things that comes out of seeing these different shorts is difference in subject matter, but just difference in techniques and, and styles. I think a lot of the films probably that were nominated for the actual Academy Award for feature film are all probably CGI animated for the most part. And But this, there's just, even in this batch that we're going to talk about today, a wide range in from very, almost very simple, primitive, not primitive animation, but it's very simple and it's purposely so, to a lot more complex um, and everything in between. So I think yep. that's really exciting because so many people are always saying, oh, well, I wish... I wish 2D would come back. You know, 2D is dead. 2D is dead. 2D is not dead. Um, however, it, it does thrive, and it does see a lot more of the spotlight in shorts. It's not mm. it's just in a coma. <laughs> in a coma. But it's something that it'll wake up and, and save the world as a superhero. Uh, Max brings up really good, uh, two really good points. The one that... Uh, what, what does he say? Sorry, there's this guy in the chat who keeps tell, asking us to say hi to him. So hi, Madi, in Brazil. <laughs> hi. hi, Madi. Everybody wave hi to Madi in Brazil because he really wants us to say hi to him in the Madi. chat. Madi. Oi, tudo bem. I don't know what that means. I speak up. <laughs> and then, uh, okay, so Max brings up two really good points. One, animation is not for kids, and I love that these short films uh, are kind of this, like, self-contained kind of compact story. Uh, they can be five minutes long. They can be 15 minutes long, but they're, you know, they're shorter and they're more to the point and they can really tell, send a different message than um, what we have in uh, children's films or films for children. Uh, and then it, it reinforces the fact that feature films can approach uh, a more, I guess, mature level of, of entertainment. And then just a variety of styles and influences, music, uh, form, uh, all that kind of comes together in these uh, animated short films, and so they're always like really fresh and really cool to see. It's like, it's like, what is it like? Great, like not everyone can be a great animator, but great animation can come from anywhere or something like that. Uh, the Ratatouille. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I kind of believe in that when I'm watching these, and I was I was very impressed by all of them. I agree. All right. So basically, I just thought that it was really great having these because all of them kind of left you thinking about something afterward, which is not always the case. So let's talk about Bear Story. The first one, Bear Story. Uh, here's some general information about the film, which we got from Wikipedia and then the Oscars website, oscar.go.com slash nominees. So the studio was Punk Robot Animation Studios, which is a studio that is based in Chile. The director was Gabriel Osorio and Pato Escala. Uh, it premiered at the Annecy Animation Film Festival. It is a great place to premiere if you are animation, if I do say so myself, June 2014. And uh, after its release in Annecy, it received over 50 international awards in the festival circuit, including the Palm Spring Short Nashville, Anima, Anima Mundi, and Zagreb. So, uh, a little synopsis for those who aren't able to see it. So, we also will include a link where you can watch all of these. By the time um, this episode comes out, you'll still have a few days to catch these. Uh, first and foremost, there there is uh, in the United States. Uh, a circuit where you can actually go to a theater and watch all of these at once. So I'll include a link to those theaters that are participating so you can go see these in theaters, but also include another link where you can actually go to view these films. Um, as of today, they were available so you could buy them to watch them. So 
very good to support our animation creators. Now, we were able to get an, a link to watch these as part of press to help promote this and whatnot. So that's how we were able to see that. But if you can, please support those who uh, helped do this. So just a little synopsis about Bear Story. It says, every day a melancholy old bear takes a mechanical diorama that he has created out of his street out to a street corner for a coin passerby can look into the peephole of his invention which tells the story of a circus bear oh, oh circus bear who longs to escape and return to the family from which he was taken there's more <laughs> there's more um so Hold down what, there. what are you guys' thoughts about this this short film bear story why why do all these short films have to be sad they are all sad huh Except for Sanjay. Um, I, I really loved how meticulous and technical the animation was for this. Like, this is something that I, that I really enjoy, like, being someone who is actually, you know, in school to do technical animation and character setup and rigging. Like, all this stuff is, can be scripted. All the, intricate, um, all the intricate gears and mechanical parts. And a lot of it is, is fudged, you know, to kind of look the part without having any real, like, mechanical... Um, function, but man, I just loved how um, how literally the mechanical parts of the the inventor Daddy Bear's machine literally come to life. In fact, the animation for those parts is more vibrant than the actual animation of the real bear. I thought the real bear guy's animation uh, was a little static, but uh, but very expressive with his his little story. Um, I thought it was really cute, and I was like, oh. Shame on, at the end, it made me think like, oh, shame on us for making animals performance circuses. Hmm. <laughs> I agree as far as the stuff. Like, when I first started and you were seeing all the toys, I honestly thought it was stop motion at first. It was just so clear and crisp, and I was just like, woo, this looks really cool. But then when I went to, like, the actual bear, I was like, oh, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not stop motion. Uh, but still very nice, and I really enjoyed that. And like Mason was saying, it's, like, so sad, this whole thing, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And, like, there was a point where I'm like, I feel like Goldilocks is going to appear, and it's just going to, like, she's going to be the the horrible person in the um, in the story. Um, but instead, it it reminded me of kind of like invasion of the Nazis. So I was kind of thrown off by the story. I was just like, what is this? And then, um, I guess Gestapo, like, yeah, it was like, what? I don't understand. Well, um, it was, go well, ahead. The story was actually inspired. I, I read this uh, when I was writing my review for the sign, but it was actually inspired by the director's actual life. Um, his grandfather, I think had to flee the country back in the seventies because it was a dictatorship or something. And, um, you know, this story is actually inspired by his grandfather having to leave the country because he was being, um, the government was after him, basically. Yes, right. That totally makes sense, um, how it was portrayed. It just seemed very governmental type without being the government. Um, honestly, at that point in time where it's like he's getting attacked and shipped off to the circus, I was like, if I were the kid <laughs> watching this on the street, I would want my money back at this point. Because <laughs> I was just like, this is so sad and depressing. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's very intricate for just a quarter. Right. That's entertainment. <laughs> it's true. And then um, – my question was at the end, it was like, did he get back with his family? Like, is, and then I realized, oh well, yeah, there's there were grooves in the bed, um, 
So it seemed as though family. What? Mechanical bear got back with his family, but he seemed pretty sad. Maybe maybe his mom and his son were like at the doctors or something. <laughs> well, cause, yeah, because there was like there were like fresh grooves Morgan. in the bed. <laughs> so I assume that the wife was there. Um. Anyway, those are my thoughts about this one. I enjoyed it though. It was it was a feast for the eyes. Yeah, really, really cool that how you can use like depth of field and things to make you know things work out. And uh, I I love I love non traditional animation, making things move like robots or making things you know uh, move like robots basically. Robots <laughs> are great. Yeah, I thought this, this show was very enjoyable, and I especially love like the middle part, the mechanical. But like the other parts of the show, it didn't really do it for me. Just something about the visuals turned me off. Like if the opening and the ending would have been like two D animated or stop motion, and the middle part, I would have liked it. But probably because it just didn't have like the budget to really make it perfect, I was kind of turned off by like the bears for. Uh, and um, just his, his animation is very mechanical, and I think it would have been nice if he really had a contrast between a very organic moving bear and like uh, more mechanical in the story, you know, in his, his box. So I was a little turned off by the visuals, but I really enjoyed the story, and I thought it was really great. And I love that it has a message behind it. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about the visuals, and that's something um, interesting about shorts is that typically they do have a much smaller budget. A lot of times they, uh, obviously they're smaller because it's a smaller, you know, it's not a feature-length film, so the budget isn't necessary. However, these are a lot of new studios that are up and coming or a lot of uh, just single animators who have an idea or students who then can do a short to express themselves, and, and as a result, the animation is mm-hmm. not up to par with what is released theatrically. Not saying that that's any different, but I think we get so spoiled sometimes seeing all these beautifully, richly animated films, and then we see shorts, and and they, they're, you know, they're the things that they lack are very apparent, and it's it's not really their fault, right? No. Uh, kind of the way that it is. Now we we do also get spoiled with uh, Pixar and Disney, where their shorts are are out of this world amazing, uh, which kind of leads us into our next short, which is Sanjay's super team. Obviously, this was by Pixar. It was directed by Sanjay Patel and Nicole Grindle. It was released with The Good Dinosaur, which came out November 2015. And... Quick little synopsis, young Sanjay, a first-generation Indian-American, is obsessed with television, cartoons, and his superhero action figures. He is reluctant to spend time in daily prayers with his devout Hindu father, but a fight flight of imagination helps him develop a new perspective that he and his father can both embrace. Uh, so this is also is the first Academy Award nomination for Sanjay and Nicole, as was the previous film for Gabrielle and Pacho. It was their first Academy Award nomination. Now, this is uh, a very, very, uh, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, not saying that Bear Story was poorly animated in any way, shape, or form, but even if you just compare these two films, there is a stark contrast between uh, Sanjay's super team and just the superpower that is Pixar and and its (laughs) rendering engine and and the talent that it has compared with Bear Story. So what were your guys' thoughts on Bear, not Bear Story, Sanjay's super team? I love it. it. (laughs) It was a really, really great one. 
Um, um, I, received I received our book for this and re- was able to review it, which was fantastic. And as you read it, you really get a really cool background of the story. Um, basically, with Sanjay, he was, this was like the very first time, like when he was making this movie, that he got the chance to actually talk with his father. Like he took the chance to talk with his father about why he was devout and why he did what he did, as opposed to just taking it for granted that he was. And um, because of that, you can just see like everybody in the team even came around and was very, um, they themselves, even though they weren't Hindu, they all took a moment where they were like, I can see myself in this story. And that's what a great story this was. The fact that everyone can see a little bit of their own upbringing in this, um, which is one of the main reasons why Pixar kind of let it go and like why they really wanted to push it too. Um, also some of the anime influences are very clear. I love the colors. Oh my goodness. Very, very cool. Um, and just the whole, how it kind of left you, it, it left you with a sense of like, just very emotionally engaged into the story of this father and son. Yeah. It's, um, I, Pixar, of course, never does anything in any of their uh, productions that doesn't have to do with the story, that doesn't support the the story. And so I I really admire this short because of how, um, you know, just the beats are very orderly and they're very um, they're very clear. And it's got a really like kind of unique and cool message. Like I, I guess anyone who's grown up in a in a family who whose parents were concerned or yeah who were concerned with preserving culture and preserving tradition, you know, it, it, it definitely resonated with me. It's like on King of the Hill where they're walking in the store and Bobby's like, can I get a gun rack for my bike? And Hank's like, do you know how long I've been waiting for you to ask me that? (laughs) It's something like that makes my boy proud. Yeah. um, So this is basically uh, Indian King of the Hill. And uh, I'm just kidding. Um, definitely not. I was um, I was pretty blown away by the action and like the dynamic, I guess color and animation, of course, and the rendering and lighting. It just all came together to make this like spectacle, and uh, de- definitely hits the uh, the chord of imagination, a flight of imagination, as the synopsis says. I was impressed by it. When the short started playing, people were still coming in the theaters. And it was like, you know, they were just coming and walking in front of the screen. And so I miss half of the short. So I was very happy to see it again, uh, you know, preparing for this. And um, I've, I've also read The Art of Sanjay's Secret English. I can highly recommend it. It's so good. Reading this book made me appreciate the short even more because, um, you know, I, I don't think we always realize the work that goes into making a short. It's sometimes almost... Like it just, it's just there, you know, and um, just this, this book alone made me realize and love all the hard work that went into this. And, um, you know, I just really love the story. I think it's great what they did with like the, the father-son relationship and how they came together. I really love that. I really love that they introduced us to this religion in a way that is, you know, very accessible for, you know, if you're not even, if you're not, um, participating in this religion you know I, I think superheroes is something our society is like obsessed with and to introduce this this religion through superheroes is really cool and it really made me interested in you know learning more about these characters and about this religion i think they did a great job with that yeah that's a, that's a great point that they made 
this religion and this culture relatable by blending it with something that already is so universal in our society. And and I agree. I I just love, I love shorts because they do explore all sorts of subject matter, but especially this one being Pixar. I think a few people could have said, Oh, Pixar, you know, hitting religion. That's, that's bold, which I, why should that be bold in this day and age? You should be able to talk about what you, you want to talk about. And as an artist should be able to express whatever you would like to, um, and that's that's one reason why I just love this short because it had it was a story it was about a different culture a different religion and that's great and the millennials weren't offended holy Hannah I'm not sure how that happened but yeah but I I really did like this this short I loved um, the characters I loved how simple it was and this just just the story that it told. Um, that being said, I don't think this was my favorite of the shorts, having watched a few of these other ones. But like kind of what Mason was saying, everything about this short was very polished. The story was polished. The music, the colors, the animation, everything was spot on. I mean, which is what we've come to expect from Pixar. Mm-hmm. And The Good Dinosaur did come out on Blu-ray today in the United States. And so one of the bonus features is um, Sanjay's Super Team. So if you were wanting to check out the short that way, that is definitely a great way to do that. I'll include a link in the show notes so you can go uh, purchase or view that. If there are The cool thing Disney's doing nowadays is that they realize that digital is the future. And you can actually just buy the film digitally or you can buy it with the bonus features, which I think is a huge jump. Because I think one thing that was holding people back for a long time was, well, I got to buy the Blu-ray because I like the bonus features. Now, that's not everyone. It's more of the animation addicts like us, the Disney files, everyone who just loves all this behind-the-scenes content. But I think Disney realizes that the future uh, is digital, and so it's cool to see that, you know, no matter, you don't have to be stuck to a hard disk to view that. Um, anyways, I'm not sure why I was going off on that, but this is available, which is really exciting. And I'm sure it will be available in, you know, Pixar Shorts Volume 3 whenever we're ready to release that one. Uh, Those are always so fun to see. So um, any other thoughts about Sanjay's super team? Uh, Nail the head. Like, it's a great, it it introduces a great, like, formula for teaching young people today about religion and about deity because, like, why not introduce it in the context of superheroes? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, I then. also love that it's such a personal story to the director. You know, that's really directly taken from his life. I just also love that we... Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but I don't know where I saw it, but it, it was like this clip of Sanjay actually showing his father the short. And I think he said that like the last film his father had seen was like sound music or something. Um, so, and it, it was like his reaction was just priceless and he was so emotional and it was just so beautiful to see. So I love that it's actually, you know, between his and his father, uh, him and his father. Yeah. Which really is the essence of the whole short, the father-son relationship yeah. and then being able to connect on a personal level. So the next short that we're going to talk about is called World of Tomorrow. This is by Don Hertzfeldt. He is definitely known for his shorts and... One little thing about this, the little synopsis, a little girl named Emily is taken on a fantastical tour of her distant future by a surprising visitor who reveals unnerving secrets about humanity's fate. Um, This is actually the second award nomination for Don Hertzfeldt. He was previously nominated for Rejected uh, in 2000. So surprising considering what? Been at this for a while. He is, yes. He's a short master. 
I really enjoyed this one. I don't know why. It just had so much dark humor and <laughs> so much weirdness. And just the fact that the characters looked so awkward and rudimentary, just, um, I don't know. It It was just really comical to me, even though the subject matter was really depressing. Like, it deals with, you know, in the future, people can... Um, sort of live forever by uh, making clones of themselves and imprinting their memories onto them. And so in a way they can live forever, but at the same time the clones deteriorate and die and their memories go along with them and poor people can't afford it. So they, <laughs> what did she say? You could, when your loved ones die, you could peel their face off and put them on a crude, <laughs> slap them on the face of a crude Android. <laughs> And then this whole time, Emily just does not care about any of this. She's just like, oh, that's cool. Hey, one time, <laughs> and I saw this thing that moved. It's just like, yes, Emily, you're experiencing this memory is confusing you and making you think that it's the memory. And all this other stuff, it's just like, I guess the differences between Emily Prime and Emily the Fourth or whatever, get really funny. And then the fact that at the end, when she act, they, they led into this whole thing about... Um, discount time travel that just at it's very dangerous and you know it could make you pop up during the ice age and you would die of exposure and that's what happened what you think happens to emily at the end and i don't know i thought it was really really cute and just very very to the point in that it was very minimalistic and so i was i was very impressed and i was like laughing the whole time just by how silly this one is this was the first one that i watched um i didn't yeah, I mean, I'd seen Sanjay Super's team, but I didn't count that one. I watched it later. This was the first one that I watched. And this is one of those films that you could discredit because, oh, look at the animation. It's so simple. But I think that's Don Hertzfeld's whole point is that it's very simple and very, uh, you know, simple lines, simple shapes, uh, almost remedial animation in the fact that it's, it's nothing grandiose, which we'll talk about in a separate uh, short, which we're going to talk about. But this one was bizarre and funny and existential, and it I loved that it introduced certain themes. It, it was it made me think and ponder. Which, if you were to just judge this by its animation quality, which just because something looks simple doesn't mean it is simple. Or I mean, this is very meticulously, expertly planned out and animated. Uh, but it, it made me think, and I kept thinking, and I just it was really good. Yeah, I liked how how it's like oh yes, as time went on, they were they had their little quirks, and you could like just see their like twitching eyes, and it's just like yeah. <laughs> but uh, like the clone that deteriorated after a while, right? It's like oh poor David, if he only had a brain. Like there were just so many weird things, like. And I think that's one of the great things about the art style is it just, it made you focus on the really weird story. <laughs> like, what is this? And then you have the little girl who, it feels like they just took some sound bites from a kid who were just saying random things because they sound super natural. Yeah, I mean, that's just what it seems like because it was just... Yeah, well, that, I, um, I did some research on it, like, earlier today, and that's actually what they did. I think, like, the girl who plays, like, the little girl, little Emily, he's, I think she's, like, the daughter of the director or something, and they actually just recorded her while she was playing around, you know, so uh, that's actually what they did, and I think it worked perfectly. Oh, yeah. I mean, they just took a, a note out of Cade Theater, um, th which are fantastic. Um 
And then, like, the whole thing, like, how this clone was just in love with weird things, like The Rock. And then I was like, oh, poor Rock. No more friends except the depressed robots and their poems. And then she, like, falls in love with the pipe of some kind. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. His name was Simon, I believe. And then I was just like, oh. Poor Simon. She let him on. <laughs> he was inconsolable. <laughs> like, it was just so weird. And I think the the thing about this short was I was, it was like 16 minutes long. It was the longest of them all, I believe. And I was more engaged in this one than I was in any of the others. And I was just more just like really wanting to know how the story is going to end. Like, please continue. Tell me more. Which... Wow, another cliffhanger. We'll see everyone. <laughs> oh, internet, yes. I, I thought this one was interesting because it made me think and ponder, okay, if this is what happens in the future, if I can clone myself and make my memories perpetuate into different iterations of myself, because it is the same me, it's just a different version of my physical body, is that something that I want? Um, is this desirable? Is this the, what really is best for society? So I, I liked that it really did make me think, even though it was kind of packaged and surrounded by this really kooky premise and it had very bizarre parts at times, I thought the fact that it just made me think about these topics were uh, did its job. Yeah, yeah but... I totally agree. But you... But your whatever your clone is will have your memory, so it'll be like you didn't die, but the original will die. That's that's a weird thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't expecting too much from the short, to be honest. When I had only seen like some stills, and then I saw it was like 60 minutes. I was like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not ready for this. Um, but then when I started watching it, I was like, I was engaged throughout. You know, I loved it. I thought it was really funny. Uh, I really enjoyed the story. And I was really surprised by the animation style. I would have loved to see this maybe with a little bit more, like, realistic. Like, the characters, at least, more realistic and animation to see how that would have turned out. Because right now, I didn't really have, like, a personal connection to these characters and I didn't really care that much. And I would have been interested to see, like, how this would have been if they were actually more similar to us and not just stick figures. But... I really loved it. I thought it was really funny and just all the colors and it was just crazy, but it was just so great and so unexpected. Yep. Really kooky. Yeah. So this is just a teaser. If you have not seen this film, definitely check it out because in two episodes from now, we will be reviewing a three part set series of shorts that Don Hertzfeld had done, which is a patron's choice. So so highly requested that we are going to do it. So I'm excited for that. So moving on, let's talk about We Can't Live Without Cosmos. Now, this was directed by Constantine Brozit. And uh, the synopsis says, two best friends have dreamed since childhood of becoming cosmonauts. And together they endure the rigors of training and public scrutiny and make the sacrifices necessary to achieve their shared goal. Um, This is from, this is a Russian animated film. This is the second Academy Award nomination for Constantine. Uh, Previously was nominated for a short called Lavatory, Love Story, in 2008. And uh, that was it, but not a winner. So these are all, so far... Um, new um, 
have not won animated film or an Oscars for animation yet. So all new directors in the category, which is exciting. So let's talk about this one. Now we're going to a still kind of a space theme. The other one didn't have space, but this is very space. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I thought that this one was really funny, actually. There were, even though it was a little sad, they still, they still like managed to put some humor into it. Like, trying to figure out how to open that um, that guy's helmet because he was so upset. Yeah. You know, like getting the guy with the crowbar, and then they can't do it. And then the stronger guy tries to do it, and the crowbar just breaks. So they just leave it in there and all this stuff. And so I, I thought that it was – I thought it was really cute, actually. and But at the same time, kind of sad. Uh, I don't know. I, I personally have a hard time caring that much about cosmonauts, although I do like astronauts because of America. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it was still really cool. I thought that the animation style, not that the character style um, was the same, but I thought that in general the short looked like Futurama just because of the color palette. And also I'm guessing they used CG objects for some of them and then just used uh, shading to make them look 2D, but I, I, I could always be wrong on that. But it, it did give put off like a uh, like a Futurama vibe. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I think the animation style was very familiar. I, you know, for some of the shorts, I was very new. But with this one, I felt like I had seen it before. Um, but I really liked it. I felt it, it fit, and I really liked the story. I loved it. It was really funny. It had its funny moments. But then again, I also loved that it just didn't have a happy end, is that bad to say? I love that it just wasn't, like, at the ending, like, surprise, I'm still here. But that, you know, that it that it just, you know, the ending was beautiful in, in just a sad kind of way. Yeah, the animation to me felt a bit like the National Film Board of Canada, who uh, is definitely known for their shorts that they have produced over the years. It's just kind of like this simple, uh, very um, almost like a comic strip sort of, of animation style where it's it's very cartoony, I guess. So, yeah, familiarity is something definitely I agree with. Um, yeah, the story, it it was just, it was cute. It was funny at times in telling the story of where these two friends have, you know, this shared vision, this shared goal. And I, you know, you see them start with a big class of recruits and then they get whittled down. It's just the two of them. One gets to go up, the other doesn't, which, you know, that I thought was kind of where this was going, but it goes even further. And and then one does ultimately leave, uh, which I, I still having a hard time wrapping my head around that ending did he, you know, because at the very beginning they showed them jumping up and down on the beds and you know, in their anti-gravity, I guess, and, and they were they were limited in what they could reach, their potential, right, because of the ceiling. And then at the very end he was able to overcome that and just float off into the universe. Yeah, I thought that was really odd myself. First off, the very first time when they started bouncing on the beds, I was like, you know, I never bounce on my bed anymore. This is what <laughs> happens when you grow up. And then he like bounces into the ceiling. And I was like, that's probably why I don't bounce on my bed. <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. Oh, frozen Chelsea, yet again. <laughs> oh, she froze again? Oh, man. <laughs> 
Well, also th something that I really uh, that I noticed was that halfway through I noticed there isn't any dialogue here, and that's something I really liked actually because so many most animated shorts don't really have dialogue, but this short is like 50 minutes long, and they really kept me interested throughout without dialogue, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, let's talk about that. I was going to mention that earlier, but why do you think so many animated shorts don't have dialogue? Is it budget? Is it is it just because the normal and not normal, but you know, theatrical animated films typically always have dialogue, and there's even instances where the film wasn't even created with dialogue and they add it after the fact. But why shorts? Is is it because shorts you have so much more creative liberty, you're able to tell a story without dialogue, or I don't know. It's just seems majority that I see don't have it. Well, well maybe part of a challenge, really to convey intent and emotion without dialogue. I guess when an, an animator wants to be the animator, as my, or my professors calls them, or wants to uh, elevate their animation to an art form, um, they want to, uh, they don't want to use dialogue as a crutch. I'm not saying that dialogue is a crutch for studios that, you know, for their feature films, but since you, in, since you only have to captivate the audience for a short amount of time instead of an hour and 30 minutes tops, then you can focus on portraying it f without dialogue. I don't know. I really enjoyed this one. And also not having dialogue forces the viewer to kind of absorb what is actually going on in the short film rather than just relying on the dialogue. Like if it had a bunch of dialogue, you could just close your eyes and, and doze off to sleep and you could still figure out what was going on, I guess. Interesting. All right, any last thoughts on We Can't Live Without Cosmos? The title's really strange. Is I guess that's a real book. I don't know. For the Googles. Well, let's move on to our last one, and I'm really glad that we're talking about this. And it, I, um, it's funny because I knew about this short, but I didn't actually make the connection until I saw the very first few frames, and I said, oh, I know who this is. I know what I'm getting myself into, which got me really excited. So this is Prologue. This is by good old Richard Williams mm -hmm. and Imogen Sutton. Uh, the synopsis is 2,400 years ago, four warriors, two Spartan and two Athenian, battle to the death in intense struggle witnessed by a little girl who runs then to her grandmother for comfort. So this is the third Academy Award nomination for Richard Williams. He was previously nominated for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, he won for visual effects. He was previously nominated for A Christmas Carol, and he, he is the only winner who has won for uh, Best Animated Short Subject. So and, and then this was his third, and it's also the first Academy Award nomination for his co-director, Imogen. So, wow, let's just talk about prologue. This is, first off, Richard Williams, one of the most iconic animators um, he's still alive and of all time, basically, and very well known for his uh, very much Herculean attempt to make this film called The Thief and the Cobbler, which is just very expertly animated and, and spent decades working on that film, which is still so mind-blowing. It was just really a labor of love. Um, of him ultimately ran out of money and funding and it was kind of shipped away and, and finished by just a temp studio. And um, unfortunately his vision and masterpiece has never been seen for that film, but uh, never fear. He has done prologue, which is wow. 
Yeah, I really admire Richard Williams for doing this. Of course, he's. I'm. I'm taking a lot of my. I researched a little bit of um, an interview he did with Cartoon Brew, and um, it was very, very insightful because if when it basically comes down to it, this is just something he really wanted to do. He made the short film that he wanted to make, and without you know studio obligations and uh, producers and and uh, you know studio culture kind of bogging him down. He was able to have total freedom over every aspect of it. <clears throat> and when you're such a master of the craft of 2D animation, you really can control lighting and cinematography. It's all there in the pencil and in your mind. And man, I was just blown away. And of course, I would, I would love to see a 90-minute full-length, you know, Dick Williams animated feature. But like, imagine like speaking of people that we need to clone and download their your consciousness into. <laughs> imagine if there was a studio of of two hundred people who understood and were able to practice hand drawn animation and drawing the way he did. What they could accomplish, you know, and what they could, um, you know, what they could pull off. And uh, it's just, um, it's just amazing. I thought this short was pretty cool. It was uh, based off of. Um, Lysistrata. I don't even know how to pronounce them them Greek names, but uh, <laughs> Aristophanes uh, wrote it. It's an anti-war play, and um, if you've seen um, Chirac or Chirac or however it's pronounced, um, that's loosely based off of it. And it's about people killing each other, and until they stop killing each other, then they ain't going to get with their women. Mm-mm. And so that's basically what it is. You don't see that. You don't see that last aspect in this short, but you do see the bloodshed, and it's uh, it's pretty graphic and it's pretty uh, you know naturalistic blood and gore. Yeah, one thing that stands out about this film is the just the animation style. So we've I've seen I've seen shorts like this where you know uh, every how do you explain it? I mean, not only is it just pencil animation and painting, but he has shaded everything individually himself, basically with a pencil, with colored pencils, with whatever medium he's using. And it just blends just beautifully from scene to scene, to scene, to, to uh, still, to still, to still. Um, as I was watching this, I just really felt that I was watching a master at work, which he is just the, his grasp of, uh, form and, and how it's supposed to move and then being able to translate that onto the paper. Uh, just did, He just did such a great job. Um, and yeah, I love that this film didn't back away from its subject matter. I mean, it was, it was very gory. It was, some would say, graphic in its violence, but um, I love that for that reason. I love that we got to see someone actually be stabbed by an axe or shot in the neck with an arrow or stabbed uh, by a sword and the consequences of that, um, something that you're not going to see every day in an animated film, and I'm glad that we got to see this really raw fight between these gladiators and uh, even even just how they were dressed was very realistic to, uh, you know, if you were a, a gladiator and were kind of a slave, you would just be thrown in there and sometimes you wouldn't have any clothes on. And so, you know what, we're not going to hide that. You can see <laughs> as if we are witnessing this ourselves. So uh, bravo, Richard Williams. I was well, just I think- captivated by this one. Yeah, I mean, you, you see that this one, uh, you know that it is all done on ones. 
you know that they are every shade is a picture and you could actually find that exact picture every still frame and it was just incredible i mean you you see him and his art form and everything that he does and it just blows my mind when it like Every time it like shifted away from like the little plant, you know, you the butterfly, and you just see every everything. It was just uh, incredible. Yeah, I love the visual style. I love it. It almost felt like you know seeing sketches from the Iron Man, like from the classic Disney films, animated. You know, without the color, without the inking, just like the sketches. And that's how this felt, uh, and I love that. But to me, just a short uh, in general felt like it's almost something we show to investors or that you show like. Uh, I'm working on the feature film Kickstarter. This is some animation that I've made. Support me. And it kind of felt like that, and it didn't really feel like a complete short to me. Like, I can see that. Yeah. It was the shortest of all the shorts, I believe. Well, was Sanjay shorter? Shan- Sanjay's was seven minutes and something. Okay, so it was, was in fact the shortest. Yeah. Yeah, Richard Williams, why couldn't you have done a 15-minute version? <laughs> <laughs> Forgot to send it to ink and paint. <laughs> oh man! Please don't hurt me. But, you uh, just didn't want to send too many people with PS- PTSD afterward. It was intense. Go around. Well, so, Richard, isn't Richard Williams the one who doesn't really care about awards and things like this? No, he just wanted to do something he wanted to do. Oh, okay. But of course, you're going to send it to the freaking Oscars because oh, yeah. I, I, I don't. I, I don't know about his aspirations to fame, but this needed to be submitted to the Oscars to kind of um, show the world that this exists. Mm-hmm. And quoting this interview again, he says, um, this is the only thing so far in my career, his entire career, and he's over 90 years old, 90 years old only thing so far in my career that I've ever been really, uh, really been pleased with that I was able to succeed with what I was trying to do in all the different aspects. So think of this as like, your dream finally coming true, like what you really want to do and achieving that thing uh, perfectly, flawlessly. The culmination. Um, I looked up, he's 82, just because I know some people might email us and tweet. <laughs> he's not in his 90s, but 82 is still super, uh, up there in years. And I'm so impressed that he's still working and pa- living passionately at what he's doing. So Yeah. Yeah, and in yeah. the trailer for the short, you, um, you have a little um, part where he's talking about it, and he says that he's been wanting to do this story since he was 15. So hearing that he's in his 80s, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, don't give up on your dreams, kids. I mean, no. just <laughs> it's not happening now doesn't mean it can't happen later. Um, just, um, all right. As, so- as an artist, it's so interesting to to hear that about that he's been wanting to do this for so long because. Like people who are artistic, like it's such, it's almost like a chemical flooding your brain the moment you realize that something that was in your head or an idea or a concept that you had in your head is finally manifest in an art form. And like that for me is the biggest uh, takeaway for me as a creative. And I believe that a lot of other creative minds share that. And so I, I just feel. Um, it's so humbling, but I also feel so happy for uh, Richard Williams for accomplishing this. Like, this is such a huge accomplishment. And to finally be able to fulfill something that he's been wanting to do for so long and doing it so masterfully um, just fills me with reverence, really. 
And this is a real animation treasure, and I, I hope that as many people as possible can be exposed to it. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Exposed. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. it. Our final thoughts. We did have a Twitter question. We asked the question, what do you think is the criteria the Academy will use to judge the best animated short? Oh, yeah. Had two answers. One said theme slash main idea. That was by Nicole. And another one, Josh said, Oscars don't care about animation. They only nominate them if they took them took their kids to see them, or if it was they saw it on Rotten Tomatoes. That's why Shark Tale was nominated. Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> Ouch. Surely these Academy folks have the attention span to watch a 15-minute short film, right? <laughs> one would hope. Yes, one would. You know, but that's an interesting... Um, it's an interesting point to go on. Like, I was looking at some of the past years. There's just been a lot of hoopla with within the animation community, and rightly so, just how most of the people, when they say, did they vote on the animated shorts or the animated feature films, most of them said, eh, I either didn't vote or I just voted for the one that I saw just because I saw it. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff about this. Um, and so in that sense, I feel like some of the some of them could be seen as slanted in that way just because they got a more widespread release. But I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you mean? Well, I think that I think some aren't going to win because they weren't as widely released. I think that, well, looking at it, I think that Sanjay's super team has an extreme um, extreme edge over the rest of the shorts mm-hmm. because it was so widely seen. And because it's Pixar. And because it's Pixar, I, too. I, I can see that. However, I really hope that's not the criteria used to judging them, but I that's very naive of me to think that. Um, because I would not vote for Sanjay's super team. I loved it, but that was not would not get my vote. But um, last year, Feast won, and I love Disney. I love Feast. It's it's a wonderful short. But there were better shorts last year, and I'm afraid that Sanjay's Super Team is just going to win because it's Pixar, because yeah. it is so well-known. And I'm, I hope that, you know, they're all shaking up the voter system of the Oscars, and I hope they're going to change something, you know, also for the animation category, so we will see more accurate winners and not just, oh, it's Disney, oh, it's Pixar, or oh, my child loved this film, you know, I'm just going to vote for that. But I hope that we're actually just going to see, because also for the feature films, like this year, it's like Inside Out, but there's also these other films that are um, very different and very unique, like uh, Anomalisa, which is like this stop-motion films, that like R-rated stop-motion films, so that's very yeah. unique as Shaun the movie, which is, it's family entertainment, but it's still very different from just the mainstream animated films we see nowadays. And there's this other film, I don't recall the title, but it's also like very different. So, you know, the nominations are like very diverse and very unique. Uh, now I just really hope that the um, actual winners are going to be just, not just like a Disney Pixar, but it's going to be really honest. I agree, because that's one of the things that makes uh, shorts 
stand out is that they are so unique in their subject matter and they're very artistic. And I really feel that the true artist, a lot of the times, um, especially for these independent animated films, are a is able to come out and express him or herself. Um, so I would hope that, you know, if this is truly the ultimate award show for artistry in film, that that is duly re rewarded. So not saying that whoever wins, it's not deserved or whatnot, but I know we've seen, like like Max has said, uh, just the way voters have voted in the past, and it doesn't give a lot of confidence that they truly are fans of this or even care. Yeah. If I were to make a prediction on who would win, if Sanjay does not win, then it'll be either prologue or we can't live without Cosmos. Really? Interesting. What would your criteria be? Which ones? Do, oh, well, that's different from who I think will win versus who, which ones I personally liked the most. Okay. So the one that I personally liked the most was Prologue because it was um, it was the shortest. I I kind of get funny about story. I I I believe that you can have good animation without a story. In the context of a short film, then yes, there is a story. But there is a story. It's just not, you know, whatever. Um, let's see. Sanjay was cute. Um, let's see. Bear story. I mean, World of Tomorrow I really liked, but it was very long-winded. And then We Can't Live Without Cosmos. I don't know. I'm torn between prologue and We Can't Live Without Cosmos. But I think, I think one of the two is probably going to win. I hope. That'd be so cool to have a non-CG uh, animated film uh, when the when the animation shorts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, if Sanjay isn't going to win, I think one of those two will win as well. I love um, World of Tomorrow, but I think it's maybe t too abstract for <laughs> even for the Academy voters. Um, <laughs> And then um, Bear Story. We're intelligent. <laughs> Bear Story was cute, but compared to the other ones, I don't think it's gonna win. So yeah, I think it's if Sanjay, if we really gonna be, um, if Sanjay isn't going to win, I really think it's going to be between Prologue and um, We Can't Live Without Cosmos. And I think my favorite out of those two is probably We Can't Live Without Cosmos. But that's really, I love the story of We Can't Live Without Cosmos, and I love the visuals of Prologue. So it's really, uh, there's something I really like about both. But So I think that um, I would love Prologue to win. I I just, if, if Prologue won, I would be very, very happy. I also think that um, Don Hertzfeldt's film, World of Tomorrow, um, I think at that one I would be very happy with that winning just because it is so different and, and unique and tells an interesting story and just everything about it is just very quirky and I love it. Um, however, I so that would be, I guess, my number two. And, man, I guess none of us are talking about Bear Story, huh? Interesting. Eh. Bear Story is, it, it again, a lot of these, as we're seeing a theme, especially with Sanjay's super, super Team and Bear Story, it was a very personal, almost, you know, story to the director, but... <laughs> wasn't my favorite so what I think will win <sighs> I guess I'm just 
I don't. I'm not going to make a prediction on what I think will win, but what I hope is prologue. <laughs> All right, for me, I loved World of Tomorrow. I think I think it was really interesting, and like I said, that one was the one that I was most engaged on. Um, I don't think it'll win because of the art style. I don't think the Academy would vote for it just because of that. I don't know. Um, I think. Oh, I. I I can agree that I think Prologue, just because of the art, artistic, artistically, it is by far the best one because it is astounding what he does. And you just know that it's just him and his pencil. And um, so I I would be totally fine without winning just because of that. But I like the world of tomorrow to win. All right. So we will find out this Sunday when the Oscars do. Uh, does air i'm going to be definitely checking that out so definitely if you can tweet us your thoughts on who you think you who you think will win and then also who do you think who do would you like to win because those can be two different things definitely all right so before we close this up we do have a voicemail it is from tara so i'm going to play this right now Hi, Rotoscopers. My name's Tara, and I'm a big fan. Um, this is my first voicemail to you guys. I actually wanted to talk about yeah. Pete's Dragon for for a little while. Um, Pete's Dragon has been my favorite movie since I was a toddler. I've watched it probably over 100 times. I'm pretty psyched about the remake, um, but when I watch the trailer, I'm a little wary about it now. The trailer kind of seems a lot like the Jungle Book trailer, um, of the remake of the Jungle Book. Um, wild Boy Raised by Animals, Wild Boy Raised by Dragon. It seems pretty similar to me, so I'm a little disappointed. Um, I, I'm, I'm also wondering if there's not going to be any of the original songs from the original version of Pete's Dragon. Um, I loved the music in the original, so that's a little disappointing as well. Um, also, No Hillbillies? It looks like they're kind of rebooting the plot as well. Um, I think it was Chelsea that said that the um, the raptors in The Good Dinosaur reminded her of the hillbillies in Pete's Dragon. And <laughs> yeah, that's they did. exactly what I thought when I um, watched The Good Dinosaur. So I thought that was kind of funny. But um, I was just wondering if you guys are would consider doing an episode uh, on the original Pete's Dragon um, in honor of the reboot, um, since Elliot was animated, it's sort of an animated movie. And you guys did do Mary Poppins. Anyway, thanks. We Bye. We did do Mary Poppins. That is very true. And Don Bluth was actually the the head over uh, the dragon and Peach Dragon. Elliot. So, yes. Hmm, I'm open to doing a Peach I'm open to it. episode. Let's see. The, the Peach Dragon film comes out, what, later this year? So as time comes closer, we sh- maybe we'll do a special episode. But what did you guys think about the trailer? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, so, I, I don't know. I should be careful on how I speak of the infallible Disney. But, like, Jungle Book is the – Jungle Book seems to be the only one I'm excited about because Jungle Book seems to be the only one that – the trailer seems to be the only one that fits – the actual movie, the source material. Like, why does everything have to be dark and scary and epic for these uh, reboots? Like, I don't know. I was not... I don't know. I'm not looking forward to the Peace Dragon one, just like I'm not looking forward to any of the other (laughs) live-action Disney 
for Jungle Book. And um, I don't know. I I wonder how they're going to fit all this together. It reminded me of this movie called um, Mama. It came out in 2003 by Andres Muschietti. It was about these two girls who were found out in the woods, and they had apparently raised themselves in the woods for, for you know, X amount of years. Or were they alone, you know? And then you find out that they've been raised by by Mama. And so um, it's kind of the same same concept for Pete's dragon here. And I don't know. I just like that Pete is just this, like, scraggly, mangy jungle boy. <laughs> <laughs> totally setting up for a crossover between him and Mowgli. You know, it's going to be like, oh, it's, uh, spoiler alert, Mowgli, uh, Jungle Book is actually set in present day. There's still jungles in present day. And so they, they have to team up for, uh, you know, Mowgli and Pete, Age of Ultron 3. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm totally not looking forward to this at all. I'm sorry. I hate to be such a downer, but it just... No. I agree. I I remember when this was first announced, and that it was it was kind of mind blowing. Like, really, of all the movies, all the amazing movies, Pete's Dragon, that's what you're gonna go to. Also, it should be noted that uh, again, Mama has uh, Jessica Chastain in it, who is a direct clone <laughs> of Bryce Dallas Howard. So, <laughs> you, know. you know, although I. Every one of these remakes I have gone to, I have enjoyed myself. So I can't really complain because it seems I do enjoy myself for the most part. Uh, Jungle Book at this point in time seems to be leader of the pack and, and most excited. But I will give I will give Pete's Dragon a chance. And, you know, I don't see how they could remake it. I mean, I guess they could, but I don't see imagine that this one's going to have any of the songs. If anything, it's going to kind of be like in Cinderella. Cinderella did not have songs, but she was singing kind of in the background, like humming, you know, some of the songs that we may know. And I imagine that's the extent of the songs that we're going to get in Pete's Dragon, unfortunately. No. I love you too. Sorry. Yeah, where's the where's the medicine man guy? Who's the, where's the snake oil, <clears throat> where's the snake oil uh, salesman and, and that guy and all that stuff? Or another time. So here's a funny story. Morgan and I actually did a review of the original Peach Dragon and we, we killed it. Like we were so mean to this movie and no, because neither of us could, like Morgan fell asleep, like trying to watch it. And then in, <laughs> like in it, she's like, I guess it's an okay movie. And I'm like, Morgan, how do you say it's okay if you, like, you never even saw the ending. <laughs> she's like, oh. <laughs> but it was, it was mean- just funny. I've never seen the original one either. I remember borrowing it from, from family members when I was younger, but I never watched it. I just returned it without having seen it. So okay. I still have not. Y'all don't know what a boring Disney movie is until you see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> That's not Disney. That's oh, Warner Brothers. God. That's Warner Brothers. What am I thinking of? Oh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I always get. That. I love knobs and broomsticks. That's also one that I used to borrow a lot, but never watched. Black Cauldron is one that I would try to watch a lot and never make it through. But okay, Morgan, you have different era. Different era. Fell asleep during Sharknado. <laughs> oh, that was hard. <laughs> uh, Nightmare right. Before Christmas for me. 
All right. Thank you, Tara, for sending your voicemail. You too can send a voicemail if you have, uh, you want us to talk about a film. Um, well, you can, or you would like to give us a review of the film that we are doing in that episode. So our next episode is going to be Zootopia, which Max Man. has seen the lucky little devil. Nice. Oh, you nice. little. Yes. Oh, Don't anything. Don't even tell me I thought it was good or not. I want to to be completely... All I'm going to say is just try to avoid as many uh, trailers and... um, because Avoid trailers. I was... Usually I I watch every trailer like a hundred times before I see a film. And because I got to see it so early, uh, I've only seen like the one trailer. And... Uh, I was so surprised. Just you know, just when you enter the world of Zootopia, it's just so magical, and um, the story is a lot of fun. Like I love this kind of buddy cop. Not really that, but more like mystery solving stories. I love on a whirlwind adventure. I love like Sherlock and those kind of TV shows as well. So that's if you love that stuff, you're gonna love this film. And just in classic Disney trend, there's gonna be some big reveals. There. Ooh. Try to avoid as many stuff and don't uh, try to be surprised when you see the theaters because it's gonna fail. Sweet, I That's loved it. Awesome. I'm ex- so I'm so excited. I, uh, yeah, that if guys, you heard it first here on the Rotoscopers. It's amazing. So go see it because That's our not twice in one week. Twice in one week. Our next episode is going to be on Zootopia. So if you do have voicemails and you want to give us your thoughts, go to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails. Now, do know um, that episode is going to be released on the 11th of March. So the film comes out in the U.S. on March 4th, and we're giving you a whole week to watch it. And on the 11th, actually, we probably will be recording on uh, the 8th, Tuesday. Uh, On that recording, we will have spoilers, and we will – so – Avoid our podcast at that point in time if you have not seen it or it has not been released in your country yet. So get ready. It's going to be exciting. And, oh, man, now all I want to think about is Zootopia. Thanks a lot, Max. Good old Peace Dragon. All right. So very quickly, you can also leave us a voicemail at 406-646-6575. You can call us directly from your phone right there. Also, thank you to those who have been supporting us at Patreon. We did get a new patron this morning, which was, or not this morning, earlier this week. And her name is Vanessa. So I wanted to give a little shout out to Vanessa. We actually have drum roll, please. I'm trying to see the number of patrons that we have. And my internet is just ridiculously slow at this point in time because we are live streaming. So uh, just I'm going to keep spitballing. We have 37 patrons who support the show and make this all possible. So thank you, everybody. We, uh, again, a small contribution that you can do uh, is, is very much appreciated. You know, Vanessa, I just added her to the Facebook group, and we have lots of fun conversations there with other fellow animation addicts. So it's definitely something that you should look into if you are interested. But, of course, if you can't, then the the best way that you can support the show is either using our Amazon affiliate links whenever you do your Amazon shopping. Just start it by clicking that link, and then off you go. That's all you really need to do, uh, rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. Or if that's not something you can do that's a-okay just tell your friends about the show and spread the word that way so thanks everybody for 
supporting the show and keeping the show going so we can keep bringing you fun animation discussions week to week. And I'm really glad that we were able to do this new uh, sort of subject matter where we haven't done shorts before. And and, off, and after our Zootopia episode, we, we will go back to animated shorts, especially Don Hertzfeld's shorts, which we never would have done, I don't think, on our own accord. Um, but the patron... Patrons have requested that, and so that's what we are doing. So thank you, patrons. We cannot do this without you. And, of course, thank you to Max for joining us. So what you guys don't know is we tried to rearrange schedules um, to make this work for Time Zone. Uh, he lives in the Netherlands, and we couldn't make it work. And, and, and Max was so amazing, and he said, you know what, it's okay. I'll just I'll drink a lot of coffee, and I'll stay up late. So I believe it's probably at this point in time around 3 o'clock his time in the morning. I want to know. Yes. And he is amazing. So you, Max, where can they find you on Twitter so they can give you a shout out for being a rock star for this episode? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MaxDenHartog03, uh, which is my Twitter handle. And you can also find me on Tumblr, um, which is uh, the art of Maxi03.tumblr.com uh, with double X. So that's my art blog. I'm starting out because I um, this year I started art school and I'm starting learning a lot of new stuff. So uh, I'll be uploading that, uh, updating that soon with a lot of new stuff. But I'm still trying to make it work. But if you have time to follow me, I'd really appreciate that. Yes, I'll include links in the show notes so you can follow him on all those places. It's really really fun. So thanks for joining us. This was really awesome. And of course, you can find Finn. Uh, on Twitter, Mason SMTX, Chelsea, she's at Chelsea Robson, and I'm at Morgan Stradling. Uh, you guys know the drill. Good stuff. Yeah, Max, thank you so much for being on the show. You definitely win uh, the Trooper Award and you win the Research Award for actually going out and, and you know learning the nitty gritty about each of the short films. I did a little bit of uh, of it myself, but I don't know. I think I gave a more of a, an emotional response to what I was watching. Oh, no, it turned out amazing. So, uh, and also check out Max's series of articles this week, rotoscopers.com slash Oscar shorts, and you can check them out there. We've already released two so far. There's one being released every single day preparing. So Max uh, took the one over Bear Story and I believe Sanjay's super team was released today, and then there's going to be more. So go to those articles and, and give your thoughts on each one of the shorts. I know that's what I'm going to be doing after this. And uh, I'll, also be reviewing, um, I'll also be reviewing the art of Sanjay's super team this week. So ah. I'm excited about that because I love the book. Yes. So go to rotoscurs.com, subscribe, and follow us there. And thanks, Max, again. He's amazing. You should definitely check out his articles. And uh, he's just he's top-notch. The best. He's the best. All right, guys. Until next episode, we are the Rotoscopers. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely should see a sound clip to play. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. (laughs) Chelsea, are you okay? Chelsea. All right. Mostly just had a stroke, everyone, so I'm just kidding. See, I see. Am I back? Hello? Oh, there's there, there are double Chelsea's. So for those of you who are listening to the audio, this will be cut out and probably a blue bloomer. Yes. Who's the real Chelsea? There are two Chelsea's that are appearing in the video. <laughs> so going on. Yes, Chelsea. I'm so confused why this is happening. Um. I'm going to try and fix this, and you guys continue with me right now.